0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Human Again podcast. One subject that's especially prevalent this month is making decisions. One of the privileges of being in a democracy is we get to be part of the decisions that are made for our communities and country. The government will literally mail you a piece of paper and ask you to share your opinion about how you think things should work that may make you feel a number of different ways. Maybe you're thrilled that someone actually cares what you think and look forward to not only returning your answers promptly, but sharing them on a wider scale with everyone you know, telling them about how you're voting and why. Maybe you're irritated by the limited choices and feel like you don't actually get to make a decision because you don't like any of your options. Maybe you're indifferent and don't see the value of sharing your opinion, or maybe you're overwhelmed by it all and the pressure of having to make such weighty decisions in addition to all the other decisions you already have to make in your daily life. I had someone bring up the idea of an episode on decision making a while ago, and it seemed this was an especially relevant time to bring it up, as I have my ballot sitting next to me while I write this and am gradually going through the process of deciding what the future of my community and country should look like. In truth, I kind of put off addressing this topic because it's not one of my strengths. I've had the thought in the past that making decisions is one of the areas I struggle with most. It's not that I make bad decisions, it's that I don't like making decisions at all, and the decision-making process is very draining to me. I can identify a few reasons for this. One is that I tend to overanalyze things and aim for perfection. And often decisions need to be made in situations where there are not any good choices, much less perfect ones. I personally wish there were different options for many of the categories on my ballot, so I'm left to determine what the best choice is within the parameters I'm given. There's no choice or action I can take that doesn't have some sort of negative consequences. So I have to pick which is best overall, with the least downside. The more I recognize the vastness and complexity of everything in life, the harder it is to think I know the absolute best answer on any issue. There's so much I cannot know or predict, that it seems ridiculous I can be 100% assured that any decision I make is the right one and won't lead to unintended consequences. Thus, I waste a lot of energy when making decisions because I'm trying to find a perfect answer that doesn't exist. Making decisions is also difficult because it comes with a degree of responsibility and culpability. As soon as you make a decision, you're on the hook for the consequences that come with it. When things go wrong, everybody looks at the person who made the decision that got them there as the one who should be held liable. This is what adds stakes to the decision-making process, even when it's a trivial issue. This aspect doesn't have to be a deterrent, but it mostly depends on your relationship with failure and insecurity. If you're afraid of failure or of letting people down, it will be much more difficult to make decisions because you have to be sure you're right. Otherwise, you're taking a risk. You may be wrong and have to deal with the consequences of a bad choice, or the disappointment of others who trusted you to make a good choice. If you pick a candidate you think is best, and they end up doing more harm than good, you're partially at fault for the results of them being elected. You have to deal with the repercussions of what others think about your decision and your support of the candidate. Every decision entails some sort of risk, whether it's about where to invest your money or what city to live in. Even deciding which shirt to wear, you're risking possibly getting a stain on it or making a bad impression to others. The way you deal with risk and the fear of consequences or failure will determine how eager you are to make decisions. In my own case, I often try to minimize risk as much as possible so it can take some effort to make decisions especially when I feel like there's no way for me to be assured that any particular decision is better than another. I don't want to choose at all because every decision has a high probability of being incorrect or leading to negative consequences. I'm getting better at this area by wrestling with my fear of being wrong or making the wrong choice and realizing it's not as scary as it feels. This is where the insecurity piece comes in. If I believe making the wrong choice makes me inferior or affects my identity, every decision is very weighty. If my identity is secure and I accept that I will often make poor decisions and that's normal for everyone, then I can take those risks without as much hesitation. In the moment, it may feel like I need more information in order to make a decision, but it's actually probably more that I need courage and security in myself To know that i'll be okay even if i have to deal with the repercussions of making a bad choice it's more about whether i can recover from making a bad decision and not let it affect my sense of value than it is about figuring out a secret answer or perfect solution i think this is part of the reason we experience decision fatigue as well every decision we make takes a toll For one, it requires the energy and attention to focus and weigh options. We only have a limited amount of energy and attention to utilize at any given time, so each decision can make the next more difficult. At a certain point, we don't have the mental energy to make more decisions, or we start making poorer decisions. Beyond that, each decision also creates opportunity for self-doubt. If you do struggle with insecurity about decisions, then each decision makes you more cautious and unsure of yourself. Once you start doubting and questioning the decisions you've already made, making more decisions can feel overwhelming because you don't have any confidence in your ability to make the best choice, even if it's over something as trivial as where to get food. I don't mean that insecurity is always part of decision fatigue, just that it can exacerbate the problem even more and cause similar hesitancy to make decisions. Even people who make decisions quickly and boldly can struggle with insecurity about it, as revealed in the way they sometimes respond after making bad decisions. If they respond by passionately denying it was the wrong choice and absolving themselves of guilt, they're probably also covering insecurity and trying to protect themselves from the pain of admitting failure. They just do that in a different way than me. I try to protect myself by not choosing at all, and thus lessening my culpability and chance of failure. They do so by arguing the choice they made was still right, and that they haven't failed at all. Or they may do it by blaming others and thus making their own decisions justified because someone else was the reason it went wrong. Being a confident leader doesn't mean you have to defend your decisions even when you're proven wrong, though. In my eyes, it's a greater sign of leadership and strength if you can admit when you're wrong and adjust your decisions in the future to be better informed by what you've learned than it is to insist you were right and never admit any fault. Unfortunately, that's not always valued on a widespread scale. We like leaders to be confident and stick with what they said so we can always support them and not look foolish or have to admit fault if they have ever admit they were wrong or go back on what they said before. This is not a sustainable model, though, because it sets up both sides for failure. Nobody can always make all the right decisions, and if that's the expectation, they'll start to burn out and try to hide all the times they can't measure up. Then, the people who expected them to be perfect will be disappointed and frustrated because their expectations weren't met. It's okay to hold leaders to a higher standard, but not to an unrealistic one. Criticizing and tearing down people for their bad decisions doesn't usually help them make better ones in the future. Instead, it usually serves to make them better at hiding their mistakes and defending their poor decisions more passionately. A big part of this is the insecurity I mentioned before. If their self-confidence and self-esteem depend on always being right, it's too painful to just accept criticism that they were wrong. Someone with less insecurity may be honest when they fail or make the wrong decision, but the problem is our society doesn't always respond well to that. We may say those people are weak or incompetent because they have more apparent flaws, since they're not covering them up like more polished leaders. I believe we need to get better at creating a culture that's realistic about failures and mistakes. We don't want to encourage recklessness, but we still need to come to terms with the fact that everyone will fall short sometimes and make bad decisions. If we pretend that's not the case and crucify everyone who shows the first sign of weakness, then we'll constantly be disappointed and we'll reduce the likelihood that anyone will be transparent with us. This can be in any context of leadership, from the president of the United States to a pastor of a church. When we expect them to live up to an unattainable standard, The only way to protect themselves is to hide or put on a facade. We make it dangerous for them to be transparent. I do want to make an important distinction, as there are a couple different aspects to consider when evaluating decisions. So far, I have been talking mostly about decision making in terms of outcomes. The other factor that needs to be considered is intent. The outcome side deals more with the what. What are you trying to accomplish or what actually happens as a result? The intent is about the why. Why you want those things to happen and why you made the decision you did. A decision is, in a way, the active manifestation of your values and intent. You're weighing various options and selecting what seems most advantageous based on your own criteria. Even if you make a decision you don't want to make, there's something that's causing you to value the decision you make over the alternatives. Maybe you fear the other choices will lead to worse outcomes, or maybe you value what other people will think of your choice more than you value choosing the option you personally think is best. Either way, the values you have are what's determining the choice you make, even if it doesn't feel like the choice you want to make. Making good decisions in terms of outcomes is about competence. It's a function of gathering good information, understanding the interconnected factors involved, and trying to predict the future results. It can be aided by things like intelligence, and in many ways, it's a skill you can develop. A good decision in these terms is one that produces the outcomes you're aiming for. Making good decisions in terms of intent is about morality and values. Whether a decision is good or bad in this sense is about how well your reasons for choosing it correspond with your standard of morality. A good decision is one that's made for commendable reasons even if the intended outcome does not come about. It's important to distinguish these so we can speak with more clarity when talking about good versus bad decisions. If someone makes a bad decision and it leads to unintended consequences, the issue is with their competence or decision-making ability, but they may have had good intentions. In this case, it would be unfair to berate them and call them evil because they caused a negative outcome, as they may have just made an error in their predictions and intended a very different outcome. If they continue to make that same type of mistake, It may be appropriate to relieve them from their decision-making role until they gain more proficiency with it. This is an issue of competence, so it doesn't warrant demonizing the person or criticizing their character. It's a problem that can be helped by training and practice as they improve their decision-making skill, and some people are better than others at it. On the other hand, let's consider a scenario where someone is very proficient at making decisions and can consistently choose the best option to bring good outcomes. But they do it with the intention of hurting others. This person is good at the skill of decision making, but their decisions are not morally good because of their intentions. This issue is harder to remedy because it's not simply a skill that needs to be improved. It's the values the person has that are the concern. In this scenario, it may be wrong to commend the person for their decisions, even if they led to good results, because of their ulterior motives for making them. Bob Goff sometimes talks about how people will ask him how his life is working for him. He says he prefers to reframe this and ask how your life is working for the people around you. How are your decisions working for the people around you? In the book, Everybody Always, he mentions how this question helped him realize even though his life was working out great from his perspective, his impatience and fast-paced life was not working out well for his family or the people around him. This reframing helps shift the focus from outcome to intent. It's a reminder that your decisions can be about more than simply yourself. When you're considering what decision to make, don't only consider the likelihood of getting the result you want, but look a little deeper and see if the values and reasons you want those results are admirable or if they need to be challenged. Whenever you're making decisions, one of the choices you have is whether to focus on what works best for you or on what works best for others involved. In the political context of picking candidates, We'll often criticize candidates who seem to only do what's most beneficial to them personally rather than what's best for the people they represent. But we don't always stop to evaluate our own intentions and make sure they're pure. This is another reason why decision-making can get so complex and challenging. Sometimes you have to choose a worse outcome for yourself if you want the better outcome for others, or vice versa. Occasionally there will be options that are advantageous for everyone, but often you'll have to choose some sort of sacrifice or concession. This is just the basic economic principle of trade-offs. Every decision you make is a decision not to do something else. Likewise, you can't please everyone. There will never be a political candidate that everyone can agree should be in power. There will never be a bill or measure that benefits everyone and has no downside. The downside may be greater or smaller, and some choices will be clearly better than others, but I don't believe there will ever be a perfect one. If you are someone who tries to please everyone, please be careful and realize it's impossible to make everyone happy at the same time. If you doubt this, I challenge you to find a popular YouTube video that doesn't have a single dislike, or even a hundred dislikes for that matter. People can always find some sort of perceived flaw or reason to disagree. That's why we have a voting process, and why decision-making is important. Because there's not always an objectively right answer. Sometimes it's a matter of weighing upsides and downsides, in an imperfect and immensely complex world. In that light, it's important to be patient with others making decisions, and have the humility to admit decisions aren't always as simple as we think they are. Maybe we aren't realizing the choice we're making is clearly advantageous to us, but harmful to others. Maybe we're okay with certain risks that come with the decision, but others are not willing to take the same chance. Also remember not to confuse outcome with intent. People make bad decisions with good intentions all the time. Instead of criticizing them and calling them names for making the wrong decision, try to understand their intentions and come alongside them to help them develop better decision-making skills if that's what's needed. That way, their good intentions can lead to good outcomes too. Meanwhile, don't forget to check your own intentions, and be honest about the reasons you're making the decisions you are. The more honest we can be with ourselves about why we're making the decisions we are, and the more we can work together to make good decisions, the better it will be for everyone. See you next time.